Hello, Rodney. Um, I'm Jeremy Lonsdale, um, and um, what we're going to talk about is uh, is uh, my book, um, A Game Emerging, uh, Yorkshire Cricket Before the Coming of the All England Eleven, uh, which was published uh, earlier this year. And um, it's, the, it's the fourth in a uh, series that ACS has published um, on different periods of uh, the history of Yorkshire cricket. Um, so the first one, the first one um, was uh, a, a game taken seriously, which um, is uh, covers the Victorian period really up to um, the uh, the eighteen nineties, um, and then uh, I wrote a book on the First World War, the 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 the, the impact of the First World War on cricket in Yorkshire uh, at all at all levels, uh, and then a couple of years ago, um, a game divided, which uh, looks at um, Yorkshire in the 1920s. So, so, so a game emerging is, is the fourth and actually um, having touched on the 1920s, I then went right back to the very, very beginning. So uh, the book that we're going to talk about today is um, it covers the period um, from the, the earliest references to Yorkshire, the earliest recorded references to Yorkshire cricket, um, which is in the 1750s, um, right through to the arrival of the, the the famous all-star all england 11 william clark's uh, all england 11 uh, and they first played in yorkshire well they first played um or uh, anywhere in 1846 uh, and they played in in sheffield leeds and uh, and manchester in 1846 so it covers that sort of 100 year period um and it's an attempt to it's an attempt really to make sense of that early period which has been largely ignored um, in the um, uh, in in the history books, uh, certainly certainly it's often skimmed over very quickly. Um, so when people talk about the history of uh, of cricket in Yorkshire, they usually refer to the, uh, the 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 establishment of Yorkshire County Cricket Club in 1863. Um, but actually, an awful lot went on before 1863, which shouldn't really be skimmed over in just a just a few pages. Or people talk about 1833, which was when Yorkshire played Norfolk, which is regarded as the sort of first county match. But the question then is, well, why was it played in 1833? What was what was happening in cricket in Yorkshire in those days that that led to that match being played? You know, these things don't just sort of come out of come out of nowhere. Um, and I think I think what I've tried to sort of do in the book is to sort of emphasize the point that at this stage of the the development of the game of cricket in your in 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 the country but in but in yorkshire in particular um all cricket's local you know it's important to look at what's happening in towns and villages um to understand how the game is 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 growing and um you know there has been has been a fair amount written about cricket in sheffield uh, in the early years, in the 1820s uh, and 1830s, and so on, um, and there's no doubt that the cricket in um, in Sheffield was 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 you know was strong and it was it was the strongest in Yorkshire. But far less has been written about other parts of the county, um, and Sheffield didn't sort of operate on its own. Um, uh, so you know what I wanted to sort of understand how did that how did what we know about Sheffield cricket fit into that wider wider picture. Um, so the book, the book is based on, um, you know, the material that's available to us um, more than 200 years uh, on. 
So a lot of that is is is, is newspapers, which um, which many of which are now are now digitised, uh, and so it's it's possible to trawl trawl through them reasonably e e easily. Um, there is some there is some archive material. I found um, a wonderful um, scorebook from um, a side in uh, in Beverly, which starts in 1825. Um, which uh, is very interesting, um, mostly mostly just scores, but actually also some lovely little annotations and uh, quips from the scorer, which give um, you know some insights into in, in, into the game. Um, and there's other there's other documents like that, um, but not many. They're few and few and far between. Um, although uh, uh, what is uh, what is nice, and it's actually on the on the front cover of the uh, of the book. Um, is, uh, is is a ball which is nearly nearly 200 years old, which was um, used in the match in which the famous uh, Sheffield player uh, Tom Marsden scored over 200, which is obviously in the context of the 1820s a, a quite ridiculously large score. Um, and it's amazing that the um, not, not only the ball but actually the scorebook uh, both still exist. Uh, they're in museum in, in, in Sheffield. So. Um, so that's really the the, the, the book, and, and basically the argument of the book is that um, the All England Eleven, when it arrived in 1846, um, uh, you know, it was a really important turning point for 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 the game in Yorkshire, and, and indeed it's a it's a big a big deal for for the for the game in England. Um, but my the argument in my book is that um, you know the game in Yorkshire was 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 more developed than than was previously portrayed. Um, Sheffield was preeminent, but the game was also reasonably strong elsewhere. Um, and I also emphasise in the book, uh, and there's a big chapter about this, that the turning point for me in the development of the game was the 1830s. Um, and you know that there are, that, and we can talk about that later. I mean, the 1830s just seems to be a really pivotal point, and the game really kicks on from that from that point. Um, and um, on into the 1840s, um, we see the development of the game. Um, but what I set out in the book and, and the sort of argument is that actually um, progress with cricket in Yorkshire was slowed by a lack of leadership, uh, a lack of money in the game, uh, and insufficient um, quality players. And that what was really sort of significant about the All England eleven was um, the uh, the fact that they built on existing enthusiasm and they provided fresh momentum for the game, and we can we can talk about that later. Would you say a bit about the factors or forces or social conditions unique to the development of cricket in Yorkshire, uh, how they influenced that development, and how that development was distinct from the progress of the game in the South? Yeah, I mean, traditionally, the history of the, of the game uh, in the 18th century in England uh, and early 19th century has focused on the southeast and London uh, in particular. And it's talked a lot about, um, you know, the role of, uh, of, of fashionable aristocratic society um, on the development of the game. And I think, you know, to a large extent, the north of England has been has, has, is, 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 is ignored and uh, it's not seen to have uh, had any uh, great cricket of, of great merit um, worth worth reporting, or indeed whether there is much evidence of of, of the cricket available, um, and uh, and so you know I think our you know if you look at the images of of 18th century cricket and you you know a lot of the histories, um, the images are all around um, fashionable games in London and and the South. They're all about Hambledon uh, and and so on um, and. Uh, 
also the importance of, of, of cricket for betting purposes um, and then the sort of significance of the, the development of the laws of the game and so on for, to, 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 to allow for um, reasonably fair and honest, uh, honest matches. I think it's quite difficult to get a sense of developments um, in, in, in the very early developments in Yorkshire. Um, you get first uh, small references in the newspapers to the game in the, um, the 1750s, um, but they are really tiny snippets. Um, they are also not necessarily to do with the game in, in, in Yorkshire. They're reporting on matches in the southeast, which um, I guess the editors of the newspaper, they were either using them as fillers or they thought that their readers might be interested. Um, so. In terms of how did the game sort of emerge in Yorkshire, um, I, I, I guess a lot of this is this is just sort of you know supposition and and, and sort of guesswork. Um, I think there's a few there's a few factors really. Um, uh, I think it's it, it was almost certainly in some places seeded by by people who had travelled uh, to the south of England and who had sort of been exposed to the game. So. Um, there's an interesting little story at the beginning of the book um, about um, uh, a gentleman who uh, lived in uh, in Ripon in, uh, in, 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 in Yorkshire um, and he had been uh, educated in the south of England um, in this is we're talking now in the 1730s sort of and um, he'd been exposed to cricket there and he enjoyed it and um, he uh, he had a son and he took his son down to Seven Oaks in 1744 uh, and they both had bats made for themselves, and um, uh, they, you know, they came back and they played, and they presumably played on a regular basis. And then, uh, on on one occasion, they um, appear to have put the bats on the top of a um, of a bookcase uh, in the uh, in the family home. These were, you know, wealthy people who who um, would, could afford to travel and, uh, and 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 obviously could afford to travel to uh, to the south of England. Anyway, they put the bats on the top of the bookcase and um, presumably forgot about them and at some point the bats fell behind the back of the bookcase which was which was screwed to the wall and it wasn't until the family um, home was sold in 19, in the 1990s that this um, bookcase was taken um, off the wall and suddenly these two pristine cricket bats from the 1740s were discovered and they were sold at auction this is the only reason i know about this because they were they were they were sold at auction and that's a really nice, interesting story, and it made me wonder about about the idea of of you know those the, the, this gentleman, uh, and there must have been others who who you know uh, were perhaps did the same sort of thing. Now, they were exposed to the game um, in the south of England. They 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 were attracted to it. They brought it back. Um, they maybe they were seen by 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 other people, by their friends, and so on. And in, in that sort of small way, the game. Um, uh, you know, might have might might have been diffused. I think the other the other sort of people who travelled around the country and might have been exposed to it uh, at the time were the military. Um, and um, it's interesting that some of the early references to cricket in Yorkshire involve um, the military. Um, and so, for example, on the east coast of Yorkshire in the 1790s, there was a, there was fear of uh, French invasion, and so there was quite a lot of troops stationed uh, in the on the along the east coast. And so some of the matches. Uh, do involve um, do involve soldiers. So again, I wonder whether or not um, you know the, the sort of people who had the opportunity to travel 
which most people didn't at this time. You know, most people would stay relatively close to where they lived, but perhaps that was one of the ways. I think, um, you know, you start to get more references in the local newspapers. Um, you get references to um, not just um, aristocratic cricket matches from the south of England, um, but also local matches. This is in newspapers, say, published in Leeds or in Sheffield and so on. So um, I think the important thing about those, those um, references are, first of all, they don't appear to be, the early references don't appear to be the first ones. It's not like um, there's some kind of explanation uh, in that report to say, you know, there's this, there's this game called cricket and, uh, you know, it's played like this. It's sort of taken for granted. So um, I think the, 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 the implication, well, the, well, sorry, the conclusion I draw from that is that the, the references that were made that, 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 that appear in these newspapers, they're not, they're, they're not about the first games in those in those places. So I think it's got a slightly longer history. And I think also, um, as I say, no, no sort of need to explain the game, um, which suggests that, you know, there might have been some familiarity with, with it. I think by the 1780s and 1790s also, I mean, Leeds newspapers have got adverts for prints of cricket matches in the south of England, which, you know, don't think those would have been advertised if people, you know, hadn't a clue what they depicted. Um, and, um, you know, rules of the game um, available for sale. So you also see in the 1760s, um, there are one or two diaries of people writing about, um, you know, spending time in, uh, in Leeds and seeing, seeing um, groups of sort of young men playing, playing cricket um, and, you know, it being seen as a sort of fun, respectable activity. So I think those sort of, um, you know, the diffusion of the game probably came about through individuals, probably came about through the sort of spread of newspapers, probably came about um, uh, through, through, through changes really in, in, in Yorkshire society. And I think, I think, you know, I think you have to sort of take a step back as I've tried to do in the book in the opening chapter and, and talk about developments in in, 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 in the economy and society in, in, in Yorkshire. And it was distinct from London. I mean, London was just very wealthy and you know, there, were, there were lots of uh, influential people there. It was fashionable and you know, London fashions took a long time to disperse out to the provinces. Um, but I think you know, the spread of newspapers uh, in the 18th century, um, uh, provincial newspapers, which um, carried an awful lot of information, a lot of, a lot of adverts, you know, I think they played a role in, 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 in spreading the word about all sorts of things. Um, I think um, we see um, improved communications in the north of England in the 18th century, um, you know, canals, uh, improved roads. Um, quite interesting looking at the, um, sort of stagecoach timetables in, on the front of newspapers and sort of seeing actually quite how well connected certain places were by the, the turn of the 19th century. Um, you know, you could move about. Uh, it wasn't necessarily easy and it certainly wouldn't have been cheap. So it was, you know, it was way beyond, um, you know, what many people could, could, could afford. But it was, th these things were happening. And I think, you know, it's those kind of factors which allow people to move about and, uh, and make connections and, um, you know, see there's just, a, 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 I guess, a, you know, changes in, 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 in society. Um, also, things like um, you know, improvements to um, uh, lots of sort of uh, market towns, 
becoming quite sort of uh, lively hubs uh, for, for, for and, and people moving move, 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 moving about more and coming into contact with other people and I think this this sorts of things are a background to to something like cricket as a sport um, you know just spreading and people seeing it and and thinking actually you know um, that's an interesting way of, of or an enjoyable way fun way of of, 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 of spending spending time so um, you know, I think there's a sort of spread of new ideas um, uh, in the late 18th century, uh, and these things are slowly sort of diffusing their way up uh, to the north to the north of England. And I do do think that's quite um, you know a, a significant factor in the development of of, of 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 cricket. I think the only caveat to a lot of this is, of course, you know, in the end, we only know what we what 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 is what is left to us, and you know these. The sort of references to early cricket in the from the 1750s onwards right through to i would say right through to the early uh, 19th century i mean these are these are pretty small they're not, they're not many references and you know um we just don't know how representative they are um you know the the kind of matches that we're talking them the sort of organized cricket that we that we see ref, referred to um we just have no idea whether those are are typical sort of matches. They could, they, 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 they could, they could be, um, uh, but they could just be that um, you know they are matches played by you know, better off people, more influential people, the kind of people who were reported about, the kind of people who thought it was worth bothering to uh, you know um, alert somebody that they played this game of cricket against the team down the you know ten miles away or whatever. That's an excellent point, uh, one a great many historians aren't alive to. There's a tendency to assume that the record we have is the equivalent of carbon-dated artifacts. The game itself changed remarkably during the period under review, uh, both legally and socially. It looked very different to the way it looks today. Uh, perhaps you'd tell us how, give us a sketch of the game. I, I think I think what you've just said is a really important point. I think we have to, we have to sort of treat the you know the the material that's left to us 200 250 years on um with a certain amount of skepticism and and you know we have to kind of accept that it's um uh very 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 patchy i mean most cricket that was played was impromptu and would go unrecorded you know it was just people enjoying themselves with a few friends um and so um you know the the, the game was a sort of you know it was a folk game which was which which was probably played in all kinds of uh, of, 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 of different sort of styles and uh, uh, with with sort of basic different rules um, and um, I mean I think I think Eric Midwinter in his recent book Four Epochs talks about talks about this that you know it's hard in his view it's in, in his view it's hard before the sort of 1830s 1840s to to sort of think of cricket as a sort of single distinct activity I'm not entirely convinced by that argument but I think the point is certainly the case in the 18th century, there must have been, you know, variations on 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 it, and people wouldn't have slavishly adhered to the laws of cricket, even if they were aware that there were any, or indeed that this was necessary. Um, the evidence that so so when, I think when I'm when I'm talking now about the the late 18th century and the early 19th century, I mean I'm I'm talking based on the evidence that I've seen. Um, a lot of the game was a lot of the games, the sort of more organised games, and those that were reported were played on common land. Um, they were played on moorland. They were played 
in some cases, you know, um, you know, Doncaster Racecourse, for example, was 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 somewhere where 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 sort of more fashionable um, cricket matches were played at the uh, beginning of the 19th century. Um, I think I think the important thing, probably the theme here, is you know these were um, matches played away from towns. They were you know they were in open open space um, where players presumably hoped that they wouldn't be interrupted, um, and um, you know they would just you know get away from from other people and 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 play a game which needed a certain amount of space, uh, and it needed a certain amount of flat space as well. So you know racecourses were probably a, a good idea. You know, they could find find a flat piece of moorland. Um, and, and, and common land, and maybe they just you know those were the sort of places that people people kind of got together anyway. So um, you know that was a natural place to to play to play cricket. Um, so the the more organised games um, uh, they were they were pretty small scale affairs. Um, you know I, I suspect a lot of the time they were just kind of groups of friends getting together. Um, so the idea of a of cricket club is probably. You know, a bit, a bit grandiose. Um, you know, there were some cricket clubs, um, but uh, you know, I think probably most games were played by by by, by groups of friends. Um, they were probably played either amongst themselves or against people who were not did not live that far away. So you know, not too much travel. Although there are some interesting exceptions. I think there's a there's a there's an interesting match was played in the early 1770s um, in, in 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 Yorkshire. Um, between between two places that were about thirty odd miles apart, and I and I, I thought well, that's very interesting. Um, you know why was why was that? And um, uh, you know it's quite a quite a long way to travel for a game. And then I noticed that both of them were were very close to the Great North Road, and so you did one. And and actually the place that they played was halfway between the two places, and you start to think about how you know connections between between places which look quite a long way apart. Um, you know, maybe that was uh, it was natural to to sort of travel along that um, particular road and come. You know, relationships built up and people people challenged each other and so on. Um, moving up a sort of a level, I think you know there are there are quite well organised um, clubs in even in the late 18th century, and so um, we've got uh, in 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 R. S. Holmes' um, history of Yorkshire. Uh, from 1833 to 1903, he includes um, photographs of um, a document from uh, from York, um, which I think are the first rules of a of a cricket club that we've got, um, 1786. Um, and I think what's very interesting there is how prescriptive those rules are. So um, the the players had to meet uh, every Tuesday at four o'clock in the morning um, on um, uh, the moor. Uh, until the 5th of September. Uh, they had paid a, a, a penny to do this, um, but they would be fined three pennies if they were not within the sight of the wickets um, when York Minster struck five o'clock. Um, and um, so this is very, very uh, specific. Um, and uh, interesting, they also had, you know, they had a secretary and they had a treasurer and so on. So um, it gives quite an interesting insight into, you know, for 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 some people playing cricket um, in the late 18th century, um, you know, it was quite well organised. I think in terms of the actual play, you know, low scores, um, slow play, slow batting, um, often sort of multiple innings 
um, you know, often two innings match, but potentially sometimes three innings matches. And that's, that's, I think, a reflection of the low scores. You know, if you're going to make, if you're going to spend a day playing cricket, then you don't want it to be all over within an hour or two. Um, the idea so, of losing a match by two innings is terrifying, frankly. Though it, it is, but I think probably um, you know, having made the effort to get together, you know, you want to play cricket, so um, people were going, you know, matches where people were going in for a, for a third time. Um, lots of sort of local challenges, and um, I think as, as as time goes on as well, um, what you see is um, the importance of. Um, the challenge is being really specific, and I think it, it's it's it, it, it's about sort of um, specifying the boundary from which people could choose players. So you know, a village, one village would 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 challenge another village, um, and they'd say, you know, from people had to live within say four miles of the the village. What they didn't want was you know um, outsiders being brought in who were good at given cricket. men, as it were. Given, given, given men as, 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 as we sort of uh, refer to them from, you know, the sort of 1850s onwards, but, but trying to sort of um, be very specific about who, who could be involved. Um, and also in, you know, as, uh, in, 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 in some of the more organized games, um, you know, making sure that nobody who had any connection with the, uh, with the MCC um, uh, would be involved. So really trying to sort of uh, do that and very specific about, you know, the money that was at stake uh, and, 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 and so on, um, you know, who couldn't, who could and couldn't play and, you know, what was, what was the game, what was the game for? I've tried to sort of speculate a little bit about, um, you know, who was playing these games because, you know, it's, 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 it's not easy. I mean, a little bit later on in the sort of 1820s, you do actually get scorecards in newspapers which um, have the full name of individuals. Um, and uh, certainly in some villages, it's then possible to sort of, you know, try and track these individuals um, looking at the census uh, information or the sort of parish registers. And I mean, that is a massive job. And I think it would be fascinating to, to be able to do that. I did do it with a, with a, with a, with a few teams. And you've got a bit of a sense of a, quite a mixed uh, range of, 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 of people. Um, I get a sense that you know, quite a lot of the sort of more organized cricket was played by people who had sort of probably self-employed or people with sort of independent um, means people you know shopkeepers some tradesmen people who could afford to take time off during the during the day um and um you know people who had discretion over their time uh, and i think you know particularly in say some of the market towns in in yorkshire and in some of the villages um you know i think that was that was a factor that those a lot of those that um you know could organize their working week uh, in order to take time off, we're able to sort of participate in this kind of this kind of activity. Um, I think the other interesting thing is 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 you do get you do get. Um, uh, I mean, I think by and large, by and large, we're talking about very sort of low level organisation. You know, maybe maybe matches are played on a regular basis between certain places, and that sort of builds up over over time. I think you know there are a few much more sort of much better organized clubs i mean ripon is ripon is one and there's a lovely description from 1810 um of the um the clothing that the ripon team played in and they had they had their own white cricket coats um and uh, what were described as calico pantaloons um and they had um they they they, they wore wool, woolen pumps um bound in morocco 
Um, and this was a, this was their sort of standard standard uniform. Uh, and you do get one or two other two other clubs which did at this time have have their, their, their sort of cricket uniform and they had sort of trimmings of different color uh, to, to to sort of uh, designate their um, their team. Um, I think there were other clubs. I mean, Hull, for example, in the in the first decade of the 19th century, there's a club in Hull which you know it's got its it has a treasurer, it has a bank account, it has audited accounts. So I think, you know, most cricket is not like this, but there are there are the sort of the beginnings of of well organised clubs and, and and formal clubs. And and going back to Ripon, I mean, Ripon's interesting because they um, uh, there is a there is a, a a book that was published and I think Holmes refers to it and describes it as the first um, bit of Yorkshire cricket related book published and I think it was published in the 1830s but it's a it's a sort of a, a record of every match that the Ripon Club had played um, in the sort of previous previous 20, 20 years with sort of descriptions and, and, and so on so I think I think the you know the game was 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 largely informal but I think by the beginnings of the 19th century, I think you get that the sort of you know the title of my book is a game emerging, and I think you do start to you start to see the sort of beginnings of of, of cricket uh, in Yorkshire emerging uh, in certain places. Um, you get a certain amount of aristocratic support for different clubs, um, probably less not on the same scale as as uh, you know down in, in, in the south of England, but you do get that. One thing I wanted to just sort of add you know in in sort of to finish off on this on 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 your point here is is probably the two most interesting things i found in the course of the um the work that i did for this book were two newspaper articles um from um 20 or 30 years later but both of which sort of compared the cricket of the 1830s to the cricket of the 1760s so this was this is you know normally we just have to kind of interpret change and we have to interpret um you know what things were like um for ourselves but actually this is how this is two kind of uh, uh people from 200 years ago actually uh looking back at uh, at the game um from from 60 years prior to their observations and um the the first one comes from um 1829 and um in 1829 sheffield wednesday um traveled to ripon um to uh, to play cricket and this was the first time sheffield um uh, side had traveled to the north of north of yorkshire this was a long this is a you know this is a long di longer distance than normal and um it was quite interesting there's an article in the news in the sheffield independent newspaper um by a reporter who went with the team and um uh, it was obviously very um um well, a fairly patronising article because, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to read a, a few a few lines of this, because um, he talks about the match between Sheffield Wednesday and, and, and Ripon, and he says, um, you know, the the, the um, he says in style, um, the, uh, the the style of the the Ripon men proved to be the ugliest in England, and uh, he says, uh, but it was not without effect. Um, they handled the club as Tom Warsop did when he was a little boy and are in truth the cricketers of 60 years ago. So this is 1829. So he's kind of looking back to the 1860s. Notwithstanding, they are nothing to look at. They contrived to make some good straight hits and met a treacherous round ball as if they were not aware of the danger. Um, and then he, then he talks about um, the fact that uh, 
In bowling, it must be admitted, though their manner is old and plain, it must not be despised. They know nothing of finesse, but they were usually at the mark or thereabouts. So it was quite a sort of contemptuous, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of sophisticated uh, Sheffield, um, you know, man from the city, having seen 10 years of development of cricket in Sheffield, goes out to, the, goes out to a much more rural area further north in the county. And uh, he sees the, uh, his, his, his players playing against um, uh, this, this, this team. And they, they as, he, as he puts it, they're, they're, in truth, they are cricketers of 60 years ago. So I think it's interesting from the point of view, it's quite clear that there were developments and that people were aware that there were developments. And it also shows that there were sort of pockets of different practice and that certain parts of the county, you know, simply hadn't developed in the same, in, in the same, same way. And the second, the second article was, um, was a little bit later, 1838, uh, and again from the same newspaper in Sheffield. And it was um, an interesting match between two teams of men over 60. Um, so, um, so these were, these, this was 1838, um, two teams of players who were in their 60s and, and 70s. So these were play, people who had played probably at the back end of the 18th century. And um, quite a long description, so I won't read it all. But it talks about, um, it says, the former could not fail to notice and be highly amused with the contrast between the old and the new methods of play as, exhi as exhibited in the bowling, batting and placing of the field. While it would bring back to the mind of the latter many pleasing and we hope not many painful reminiscences. The game was played quite in the old style. There were the slow bowling and the blocking, snipping and on hitting which our fathers have seen exhibited in many a well contested match. In the setting out of the field also there were the extra men and on the offside about six yards from the batter in the direction of the modern mid-wicket man the fix was fixed the all-important wicket tenter the improved system of the present day would render the situation of this player anything but an enviable one and then it says and this going back to the sort of reference to the, the uniforms it says among the players we noticed several who wore green jackets bound with red which we understand was the regular uniform of the old bent's green club and certainly the wearers of them on this occasion did not disgrace their club. So again, an interesting sort of um, description, which if you unpack it, you know, it's quite clear that there were observable differences between the way in which the um, players, uh, the, old, the older players, um, uh, men in their 60s and 70s, the way in which they conducted the game compared with what a, 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 a writer in 1838 you know, saw as the modern game. So I think those are quite, quite insightful um, articles and it gives you a sense of both change over time but also a difference between different parts of Yorkshire. Uh, Yorkshire, of course, is and was an enormous county, uh, certainly in cricketing terms, with a range of competing hubs and headquarters, which, of course, in later years created some awkwardness for the county cricket club. Uh, you lay a particular emphasis on the role of Sheffield in the 1820s. Yeah, I mean, Sheffield is um, actually cru totally crucial, absolutely crucial to the um, development of cricket in Yorkshire in, in the 19th century. Um, I think until the 1820s, get the impression that um, although it was important um, and was further progressed uh, in terms of the development of the game there than, than, than elsewhere, it wasn't sort of that much further. Um, the first references well, many of the first references to Yorkshire cricket are, are, are you know, from the 1750s and 1760s, and they are from Sheffield. Um, and there are important early games 
um, with Nottingham in the early 1770s, um, although none until after until after that until till 1800. And there are references to to the, to the Hallam Club, for example, in 1805, and uh, um, and even references to sort of factory matches uh, in in Sheffield. So there was the game was clearly um, you know being being played. And in fact, um, also I came across obituaries of one or two players in the 1830s and 1840s, um, uh, and there were references to the fact that they had been you know well known in Sheffield local cricket um, at the turn of the century. Um, uh, so you know, there was quite a lot of the game being played. But the 1820s is really the sort of um, absolute turning point. I mean, there's sort of a step change in the game uh, in, 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 in the county. Um, and it's vitally important in terms of the development of, of, of a sort of commercial, commercial cricket. It's a real turning point for Yorkshire cricket. Um, I mean, Sheffield was modernising in the first um, decades of the 19th century and, and um, you know an awful lot of, of, of work was being done to uh, to make it quite a bustling place um, and um, you know it had good contacts good connections with um, with 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 the rest of um, the county and also with Nottingham and, and Leicester and so on um, there's an awful lot of pressure on 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 land and, and and space for for all sorts of things as a result of all the house building and uh, and, and, and and sort of factory building and so on um so um quite a sort of dynamic dynamic place um and what we see in the 1820s um is is um uh, several entrepreneurs um uh, sort of opening commercial cricket grounds in in in, in sheffield at, at darnell um Firstly, in 1822, uh, the the old ground, and then the new ground in 18, 1824. Um, then the uh, the opening of of, of Hyde Park, uh, and also um, other smaller grounds, sort of local local grounds. And um, I mean, these are interesting. These were these were these were sort of commercial cricket grounds, enclosed grounds. Um, they were used most days of the week uh, during the summer for for for, for cricket. Um, and um, these were opened by people who saw an opportunity uh, to uh, to make money out of the game. So they could they could charge uh, people to watch the game. They could also charge people during the week to play sort of impromptu matches. And so you know you see adverts for for you know if you want to come and play cricket, um, you know we probably probably hire out equipment as well. We can so you know come along with your friends. Uh, and then of course there was refreshments available, and you know. These became places where where people could 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 visit on a regular basis, and they could play, and they could meet their friends, and so on. Um, so we're talking here about people like George Steer, a local businessman, um, and uh, Hyde Park was opened by two men called Wright and uh, and Hazelhurst. And the suggestion, in fact, is that they spent about four thousand uh, pounds opening the uh, the Hyde Park ground, which went really from the eighteen thirties became you know a, a big venue in English cricket. Um, and what we then see um, from the middle of the um, 1820s is the um, is some quite major matches played um, on these grounds on Dar at Darnell and then and then at Hyde Park. Um, uh, there was a regular match with with, with Nottingham, but but uh, in 1825, all England played against Sheffield. Um, there was also um, in 1827, all England played against Sussex in one of the uh, the famous games, which was designed to sort of test the new style of, of, of bowling. Sheffield was the, was the first of those three games. Um, you see matches against Leicester, 
uh, you see all England playing against uh, a combined Yorkshire, Leicestershire and Nottinghamshire side. And some of these matches attracted, according to reports, up to sort of 20,000 people. Uh, and um, so this is a this is a totally different um, uh, scale of, of of cricket and type of cricket. And it's 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 um, you know it is really uh, there is bears no comparison with you know the sort of local game that we've been talking about. Um, and the um, you know, professionals were brought in. Um, from the south of England to to, to help coach um, local players and to improve the um, improve the uh, the standard of of, of play. Um, we also see the building of of um, proper pavilion proper pavilions, which um, you know uh, are completely um, you know beyond the. Um, uh, what, 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 what we've seen before, and indeed, you know, there's nothing comparable elsewhere in, in, in Yorkshire. Um, so I, th I guess, I guess, really, by the end of the decade, Sheffield is very much locked into the sort of mainstream of, of English cricket, um, and connected to, 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 to it. Hyde Park is is seen as one of the best grounds in in the country, um, and you're starting to see uh, certain Sheffield players playing in the big matches in London. So the most famous is Thomas Marsden, uh, and uh, who, who, as I mentioned earlier, he, he scored a double century, 227, back in 1826. And, um, you know, this obviously is a remarkable score for the time. I don't think it was the highest, but it was certainly, I think it was second or, or third highest at the time. Um, and uh, he, he, he starts to be included in matches in, in, in London. Uh, James Dearman is another, um, and, uh, and also Woolhouse, and I think, um, you know, just start to, it raises the profile of Yorkshire cricket. It raises and, and, and uh, it, it gives um, a, a bit of a sense that, um, you know, there, are, there, is, there is significant cricket being played uh, in, in, in the north of England. Um, famously, Marsden challenges any man in England to play him at uh, single wicket cricket. Uh, he does that in 1828, and it isn't until 1833 that um, Pilch, um, and he play, and Marsden loses um, that. But it's um, it was a sign of sort of you know confidence that had grown in Sheffield uh, during during the period, um, and uh, I mean it was referred to as a sort of contest to uh, to decide the cricketing championship between the north and the south of England. Um, so um, so so I think you know Sheffield in in in, in the eighteen twenties is really a turning point for 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 for, for Yorkshire cricket. Puts the north of England. Um, very much on the on the map. I think the problem the problem, of course, is that actually it's, they really struggle to make to make this these grounds pay, uh, and so um, uh, both Darnell and uh, Hyde Park are used for quite a lot of other things, uh, just to try and uh, try and make some, some some money. But I think the point the, the important point is is that is that Sheffield is sort of preeminent in, in in Yorkshire cricket at this at this time. Um, the game was growing, but I think, that, and I have devoted a chapter to, to to Sheffield. But I also devoted a chapter to developments of the the game elsewhere in Yorkshire. And I think it's important to recognise that um, the game was growing elsewhere, albeit not at the same pace. And a lot of the sort of factors that were in in place in Sheffield, you know, the existence of the the sort of commercial side to the game, um, they weren't. They just didn't exist um, anywhere else in Yorkshire. So you know. Woodhouse Moor in Leeds um, uh, and the racecourse at York are are kind of two 
um, significant cricket grounds in the north of England. Um, but both of them are open open grounds, and so you know, there's interesting r r reports in the 1830s, early 1830s, to um, you know uh, the cricket ground, the, 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 the cricket pitches uh, on Woodhouse Moor, um, which um, were sort of carved out by individual clubs. Um, they were also used by the cavalry for uh, exercising their horses, and so um, you can imagine what impact the hoofs had on 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 on, on the field. Um, and so, you know, there's just no real comparison between those and the the um, the, 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 the the commercial grounds in in, in Sheffield. Um, cricket was much more parochial, I think, away from Sheffield. Um, you know, a lot of the cricket that was played in Leeds in the 1820s um, was just between different um, Leeds sides, um, and. Um, there were no enclosed grounds was probably i get the sense there was quite a lot of sort of aristocratic support for uh and, and sort of more genteel support for for, for 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 cricket in different other parts of yorkshire um so that was quite a sort of this quite distinct from the sort of the the, the money making uh and the sort of commercial side to the game that was that was very very prominent in in in, in sheffield um but what you do get is you do get um, other parts of the county uh, and, and, and clubs in, in, in other towns, you know, building up reputations. So Ripon, Knaresborough, um, places right as far north as Yarm, um, Tadcaster. These all sort of claimed at one point or another in the 1820s to be sort of preeminent clubs apart from Sheffield. And that was one of the interesting things. There was often challenges made by these other clubs. Um, you know, we will take on anybody bar Sheffield. Um, you know, the sense being that Sheffield is something which is, you know, we just can't even think about that. Um, so there's quite a lot of local rivalries. Um, and, um, you know, I think um, you, you've got sort of perhaps a two-paced development. You've got Sheffield, what was going on in Sheffield in the 1820s, and then you've got a game which was emerging um, you know, reasonably strongly, but nothing like on the same pace as Sheffield elsewhere. You spoke just now about the 1820s as a turning point, but the decade following was pretty significant too. You speak of it as a decisive decade for the development of cricket in the county. Why was that? Yeah, and and, and I think um, I, mean, I don't think it's a surprise that it's the longest chapter in in in, in the book because I do think um, I do think the 1830s is a decisive decade for the development of cricket, not just in Yorkshire, but also um, in, 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 in the country. I mean, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting time. Um, it's a period when we start to see, um, you know, ever more serious attempts to sort of clamp down on some of the more barbaric traditional sports that, that, um, that English, um, that, that, that English society had sort of enjoyed, if that's the right word, for, 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 for a long time. You know, the sort of chaotic football matches that, um, that took place um, and um, sort of more barbaric uh, sports involving animals. And you, see, you see quite a lot of um, efforts to, uh, to clamp down on that. And I think it's in that sort of context that, that, that cricket for many people has, has a sort of an appeal. You know, for some it's... Uh, it's a sort of very modern activity that's you know it's 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 not associated with this sort of barbarism and and, and violence um and so it's sort of seen very positively for that reason actually interestingly you know for for others people it's seen as a sort of res, return to english traditions at a time of you know great social change and and, and sort of uh, economic change 
Um, but cricket's quite, I think, is seen by many to have an appeal. You know, there's there's not much physical contact. That's you know that's that's quite good for perhaps for you know allowed the less strong to play, um, uh, and and sort of easier for for different social classes to mix perhaps. Um, there's some clear rules. Um, you've also, you know, in theory, you've got a very sort of clear role for umpires as arbiters. So, you know, for some people, it was seen as a very sort of well-organized uh, game. Um, there's obviously a social aspect to it. You know, you've got meals during the game, after the game, the role of the, the public house in, uh, in, in, in sort of cricket mythology. Um, and we've already talked about the fact that sort of better off clubs had uniforms and flags and marquees and so on. Um, so it all contributed to quite a sort of smart spectacle. So, so I think what we see in the 1830s is this, is this sort of developing as part of a sort of, you know, cricket's becoming a bit more respectable and it's seen as a, as a um, uh, you know, something that, 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 that's um, uh, you know, decent and uh, um, well-organized. Um, I think there's a number of significant developments in the 1830s which actually are, in, are important. Um, I think one of the things that I felt in the earlier periods is that a lot of the game grew up in pockets. So you've got you've got the area around Sheffield, you've got sort of a lot of Leeds clubs playing against each other and, and, and sort of towns in the broad area. You've got a lot of North Yorkshire towns and villages um, sort of operating. They don't really play beyond their own sort of areas. Um, there's an area around York as well where, you know, there's, there seems to be a lot of cricket played between between clubs. I think in the 1830s you start to see connections and linking up between some of these areas. And I mentioned earlier the match between Sheffield Wednesday and Ripon in 1829. That seems to me to be the sort of, you know, an important point and point that, that two big clubs in different parts of the county now playing each other. So you start to see people traveling more. And I think that's a I think that the improvements in 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 travel in the 1820s and 1830s I think that's that's allowing people to travel further and there's some actually some quite interesting examples of um, people traveling quite long distances um, to, uh, to, to 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 play cricket but also to watch cricket um, in the 1830s so you know, quite a lot of Yorkshire people went down to went down to Kent to see um, Dearman take on um, Alfred Min in 1838. Um, you uh, also see um, there's a there's a little article um, I remember in the late 1820s I think where there's references to the fact that a lot of people who wanted to go to Sheffield from London actually couldn't couldn't find couldn't get any transport because so many people were going up for the match. And I think um, you know again this 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 would have been a relatively um, select group of people who were able to afford to do this. Um, but but I think when it make the point the point is it, you know travel became I think it became easier uh, and this is even before railways transformed cricket from the sort of you know later in the 1830s and, and, and from the 1840s onwards but there are references quite a lot of references actually to to clubs um, hiring coaches or open carriages to take them to, to to matches and and also some lovely descriptions of teams arriving in the uh, in the town that they were they were to play. Um, you know, with somebody blowing a horn, and uh, um, you know, they really wanted to make an impact as they came into uh, came into town. So, um, I think um, I think you know, 1830s, you do see a greater linking up of different parts of of cricket played in different parts. 
I think the other, crucially, on the field, you see the changes with the development of round-arm bowling, which was um, spreading throughout the 1830s, uh, diffused quite slowly. And I think, again, one of the really interesting things by this time is the, 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 the cricket reports become much more detailed. And so you get some quite interesting descriptions of, of the bowling styles of, um, of different players. And, and also, um, there's a, I found a very interesting um, description of a match in 1834 between um, York and Ripon. And they go into great detail about the bowling, the bowling style. And it was quite obvious that, that not only were different bowlers bowling different styles, some under, underarm, some roundarm, um, but sometimes they were changing in the course of an innings or they were changing between innings. Um, and um, so there's you know, references to, you know, one bowler bowling with the ball, bobbling just sort of swiftly up to the wicket, whilst others are clearly bowling what were described as three-quarter half-moon balls. Um, and others were um, uh, what were described, was described as jerking from the right hip, bringing the right hip forward and pro projecting the right hip to give the ball some momentum. So you start to, I think, you know, you start to see, um, you know, m developments in the bowling. You also see um, descriptions of much harder hitting um, batsmen um, hitting the ball, um, uh, you know, m much harder. Um, improvements in field placings as well. Um, people taking it more seriously, not just everybody just spread around, but actually starting to think about, you know, what would be the most effective places. Um, Players starting to practice more, take practice more seriously, uh, and I think I think these things sort of added up to a more attractive spectacle. So I think in the 1830s you just st start to see the game emerging as a as a, as, a, as a you know more of a spectacle, um, more competitive. Um, also, quite a lot more references to people complaining about the quality of the field, um, and quite obvious it was quite obvious that that, that you know most cricket at this time was played on you know just normal field um, uh, many of the many of the fields had real bad reputations for being virtually plowed fields with lots of you know ridges and you know if it had been raining there'd be standing water in the hole in the uh, in the ridges and so on but I think you start to see more criticism and more assumption that actually the game needed to be played on on, on, on better prepared better prepared fields I think the other what's the other interesting thing is actually the development of what I would call what I do call in the book a sort of county consciousness, um, and um, there's a really fascinating article in a, again in the Sheffield Independent, which actually probably one of the best newspapers for for, for cricket, um, in 1828, um, and it and it and it talks about it talks about the um, the need for um, people who were interested in, in cricket in the county to get together uh, and to form a county club. Uh, and this would be the reason this was necessary would be to bring together all the best players uh, and also to try and generate some money so that these best players could be brought together and allowed time to practice. And this is 1828. This is 35 years before Yorkshire County Career Club was set up in 1863. So it's quite interesting that there's a sort of, what I, as I say, what I call a county consciousness. Um, where where people were thinking not just about their own local area but but sort of thinking about about a, about a, about a county cricket club and i mean there were there were, this wasn't totally um unusual there were there were you know in different parts of the the country there was there were county clubs starting to develop um and um 
but it's it's interesting that it's happening at this time in in, in Yorkshire, and I think it links up with the um, the point I made about better communication and, and 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 sort of more linking up between cricketers from different places. I think people started to think beyond you know um, we're the best in the, in our part of the county and started to think that there was you know there was a bigger there was a bigger arena on which they could be could could, could be playing. So 1828 was that article, and so there was clearly people thinking about this. Um, there were one or two games which are described as, as as being played by teams with the sort of Yorkshire label in the early 1830s. And um, I, I sort of think it's part of that same kind of mindset. Um, but it isn't until 1833 that, that, that a Yorkshire County team plays Norfolk. Um, and uh, um, but I think I think it's I think it's important. And it goes back to the point I made right at the beginning about um, you know, why 1833? I think, you know, that match between Yorkshire and Norfolk didn't just come out of nowhere. It actually came out of a sort of, a, you know, several years of people thinking about about this and 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 matches, um, you know, being played by sort of groups of players who were from more than one club. Um, what's interesting, though, is um, I mean, Yorkshire played Norfolk a couple of times in 1833. I think they played in 1834 as well. They played Sussex in, eight, in 1835, uh, and then they played Norfolk again in, in 1836. These were really, uh, in 1836 was a financial uh, disaster, and um, the organizer put out an advert in the newspaper um, and, uh, and, and said that, you know, we haven't, I've, I've not been able to cover expenses. And you don't see any county matches, anything under this sort of Yorkshire County label now until the 1840s and I think I think um, I think it was probably a bit of a wake-up call and I think it was expensive I think maybe maybe it's something about the fact that Yorkshire is such a big county it was it was it was expensive to bring people from different parts of the county together which helps to explain perhaps why so many of the players in the Yorkshire county team were also Sheffield people in fact often the labels Sheffield and Yorkshire were used interchangeably but I think you know where they tried to bring in people from elsewhere in the county it was expensive they also i think by by the 1830s they realized that you know, couldn't just turn up and go and play cricket in, a, in one of these games you actually had to spend some time practicing uh, and um, i think there's um i think it was noticed that sussex um they spent quite a lot of time playing together and practicing together in advance of matches and that was sort of people realized actually you needed to do that um, but that was expensive and also, you know, you needed to not only bring people and put them up, but then you also probably needed to somehow compensate them for whatever loss of income they would have had. So, so I think that's probably why the game, the county game as such, kind of ground to a halt until the, 18, the 1840s. Um, but 18, yeah, the 1830s, I think, it's just, I think it's just really important. Again, though, I would say that my caveat to that point is that actually the newspapers just become a lot more detailed in the 1830s. So you get a sense of more nuance and, um, you know, there's, there's just more information about what is happening compared with previous decades. So it's a bit, it's sort of dangerous to sort of um, perhaps get it completely out of perspective. But I do think these are significant changes in, in, in how the game was organised. All right. We've done the 1820s and the 1830s, which of course leads us naturally to the 1840s. Uh, by which time cricket was very well established in Yorkshire. Uh, would you elaborate on that point and outline any obstacles to its continued entrenchment? As I say, I think the 1830s was important, but I think it, the game does does sort of drive on 
from 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 there and i and i was interested in you know as as, as you know the, the the book sort of cuts off in 1846 so so the 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 focus really um in the 1840s uh i do feel i do feel that the game um in many ways a sort of sort of gone from just a sport to being increasingly part of Yorkshire life uh, and, and a sort of a feature of, of, of Yorkshire society uh, increasingly by by the 1840s and, and by that I mean um, you know it, it, it features in, 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 in schools, so it's a sort of, you know, there are, there are people learning the game in, and, and certainly in the, in the sort of um, schools which are actually, um, you know, charging a fee. And I, I wouldn't necessarily use the, the sort of word public school here, but, I'm, but, but those that were actually, um, uh, you know, advertising and, and trying to attract people. You know, the, the fact that they have cricket fields and the fact that cricket is played is, is being mentioned in, in, in adverts. Um, you also see it in the courts in, and, and reports on, on, on proceedings in courts because, uh, and it goes back to the point about, about sort of attempts to, to control the game and, 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 and sorry, to control sports. Um, you start to see um, in the newspapers references to groups of boys being brought in front of magistrates to um, uh, because they've been caught playing playing cricket uh, in certain places um, for example on the uh, on the on the roads uh, and they tried to clamp down on on cricket on the roads because often boys used to um, build wickets uh, out of stones uh, and then leave them on the road and then obviously there were no street lights at night and somebody would be coming through on a horse and cart and would hit this great mound of stones. Um, damage to property, uh, damage to trees and so on, playing in, playing in places that um, uh, you know, people did not want uh, uh, sports played. So you see references to um, groups of boys up in front of magistrates, which, which sort of, you could see that, that attempts are being made to sort of control the spread of the game and to to, to, to have a sort of bit of discipline about where it's played. I think it's, it's increasingly visible in the newspapers as a, as, as a sort of feature of different parts of the local community. So you see, you know, cricket clubs organising balls. You see, you know, references to events by, 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 by cricket clubs. So I, I do see the 1840s increasingly as a sort of time in which the game is spreading and, and its tentacles and, and becoming part of, part of Yorkshire society. Um, there's a big expansion of clubs in this in this period as well, um, and uh, you know more clubs, more clubs with more than one eleven, um, clubs with junior eleven elevens, um, just lots of different types of organisation um, setting up cricket clubs. So you know yes, public houses are probably traditional um, places, but you know things like literary institutes, um, lots of workplaces. Um, cricket was a feature of lots of day trips. Um, and um, you also see um, over time, you know, I think, I think a lot of these clubs were very fragile. You know, a lot of the clubs in the first sort of few decades of, 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 of the 19th century were very fragile. So, you know, the game would survive. It was probably dependent upon a small number of, you know, key players. 
and then maybe they got old or maybe they moved and they stopped playing and then you know they weren't replaced and so the game just sort of just disappears in certain towns and then you see it revived and there's quite a lot of references in the 1840s to places like Beverly and uh, Helmsley I think and, and, and Ripon and so on where the game had been kind of quite um, prominent maybe in the 1820s and 1830s and then a different generation had allowed the game to to sort of decline and then suddenly you know there's a there's a fanfare of trumpets in the local paper because you know the, the club has been revived and we're going to you know we're going to restore the glory days of the 1820s and so on so you know you do see that and I think I think then a lot of those clubs probably set themselves up on a more uh, stable basis and probably lasted 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 longer um, so I think the early 1840s you see enhanced fixture lists longer fixture lists better organized um, better organized fixture list um, one or two newspapers the Leeds Times for example sort of becomes a bit of a clearinghouse for for clubs and I think a lot of clubs probably found it difficult to organize fixtures but Leeds Times sort of provided a service whereby it basically would would help to bring clubs together and allow them to to, 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 to sort of secure fixtures. Um, I think, you know, increasingly a lot of these cricket clubs developed sort of their, their sort of rituals, you know, uh, uh, sort of early season practices, end of season balls and annual general meetings. Um, I think things became more formalized, um, you know, more clubs had officials and rules and accounts and there are lots of, you know, more, more money was spent on things like, you know, the club tent with its flags and all the rest of it. So I just think, you know, you start to see the game being um, being better organised. Um, certain clubs were lucky enough to have sort of, you know, aristocratic support from um, local um, uh, local people who put money into the club um, and you know, backed specific clubs. And those became kind of quite quite prestigious. Um, you see, Leeds, Leeds, and um, uh, and, and Bradford um, really kind of developing. And I think probably one thing I should have mentioned in the 1830s, but which is now kind of increasingly important in the 1840s, is is um, although Sheffield was the only place that had in, enclosed grounds in the 1820s, actually uh, in the 1830s um, there was an enclosed ground at York in 1834. Um, Leeds, the opening of the Victoria Ground in 1838, uh, and then uh, Bradford in 1839 had an enclosed ground. And I think in the 1840s, that was really important for allowing the game in these places to to sort of develop. There was they were able to charge fees to, to to you know admission fees to come to a game. There was more money being generated in the game, and I think that was really important. It allowed clubs to be on a much stronger financial setting. It allowed them to employ a professional. Therefore, they, you know, they they improved the standards of their of the, of their play. So, I think that was a crucial a crucial step uh, from the 18, late eighteen thirties, which which sort of really influenced um, the development of the game um, in uh, in in the eighteen forties in in some of these places. And uh, you start to get some quite big crowds in Leeds and Bradford um, for games. And what you do see in the eight, early eighteen forties onwards. Is, is a whole sort of series of competitive matches between um, places like Leeds and Bradford and Sheffield Wednesday and Knaresborough, uh, Yarm, Harewood and so on, possibly, you know, Rochdale also uh, in, uh, in Lancashire um, involved as well. Start to see major club matches being played uh, in front of quite big crowds um, and a very competitive, very competitive 
um, style of, 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 of cricket. Um, and I think, I think that's a, a sort of important, important development. And I think you also start to see other, other um, signs of increasingly competitive cricket. Um, York Cricket Club in 1844 and 1845 established a, uh, a sweepstake competition, which they invited other clubs to come and play. Um, and, um, you know, that's, a, I think, an interesting, interesting development, um, you know, a competitive semi-finals or final um, uh, competition. And although it didn't actually mean anything, you do see quite a lot of references in the newspapers to um, this match is for the championship of Yorkshire. Um, and this is, you know, I think it's a clear sign by this time that um, cricketers were kind of conscious or interested in how they stood against others and, you know, who was the best in the area and who was, who was, uh, who were the challengers. So I think you get, you get, um, uh, you know, an expansion of the game, you get um, more competitive cricket, you get better organised clubs, and so, and also the game has sort of dispersed and, 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 and sort of influenced and shaped wider, wider society. It's sort of, it's become very visible. And so the argument really of the book is that, you know, a lot of these developments had been, had been going on. Um, and so by the time the All England Eleven arrived in 1846, um, you know, the game was 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 pretty much a a, 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 a feature of Yorkshire life, and um, the only thing I would say, um, though, at this stage is I think there are a number of obstacles to the game as it was organised at this time progressing, and I think there's a, there's three features of that which I talk about in the book. One is I think there's limited money in the game. I think you know only a few clubs have got enclosed grounds. Only a few clubs are able to sort of you know seriously charge people and, uh, and, and uh, for, 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 for attendance at matches. The game is still pretty much a, you know, a, 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 a very um, low level, at a very low level of, of, of development generally. So there's a limited amount of money in the game. And I think, you know, the fact that Yorkshire, it was, they were struggling to have Yorkshire County matches, the fact that, that, that it was expensive to bring people together, you know, this is, these are, these are sort of, you know, limit, it's a limitation. I think there's a lack of leadership. I think it's interesting that Sheffield, Sheffield dominated Yorkshire cricket, but actually in the early 1840s, Sheffield was struggling a bit. They, they suffered some very bad defeats against Nottingham. Um, there was quite a lot of criticism of the state of the Hyde Park ground in the early 1840s. Um, Sheffield was really trying to get its act together. And I think um, the, idea, the idea that you know, Yorkshire cricket probably couldn't develop, Yorkshire county cricket couldn't develop without Sheffield, but actually Sheffield at that time wasn't really in a position to to sort of take on a more of a leadership uh, role in the game, I think I think that's that's quite quite significant, and I think you know there was aristocratic support, but I don't think I don't think any of the the, the sort of aristocratic supporters of local cricket in Yorkshire really had the had the sort of uh, the intention or the ambition to sort of provide any kind of leadership role, which you know might have been the kind of leadership role that was expected at the time. So I think there's a lack of leadership. There's a lack of funds. And actually, it's probably still a relatively small number of top players. Um, Tom Marsden had died in 1843, um, and actually probably was never as successful in the 1830s as he had been in the 1820s. Um, Dearman was a big name, but he was now playing in, in playing uh, his cricket in Rochdale. Um, and um, there were, you know, there were good players, um, but actually some of them were having to find, well, were, were engaged elsewhere. So. Um, 
there's a number of, uh, of, of of other sort of names in, in in Yorkshire cricket at the time, but they were they were actually employed in different parts of the country. So, although these big games were going on between some of the major clubs, actually the most of them only included say one or two um, uh, sort of higher quality players. And so I think the actual quality of 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 this cricket. You know, it was a bit restricted because the because the um, the sort of the top players were spread quite thinly. So I think it's against this background that that the All England the impact of the All England eleven arriving is 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 important. But what I'm what I'm what I argue really is you know the game was fairly well established uh, in Yorkshire in the, by the mid 1840s, but it needed some kind of new kickstart, some kind of added momentum, because I don't think uh, as it was currently organised. Um, you know, it was going to sort of continue to develop in, 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 in as quickly or as, as effectively as it would as, 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 as it would have liked. And it needed this sort of injection of star, some stars from outside um, who would would come along. Um, so, you know, the All England 11, you know, some of the best players of the day come in, come in to play against a district side and a district side usually of 22 players um, or possibly 18 in some cases, but 22 players, local players, um, possibly with one or two professional cricketers added. Um, but, um, you know, and these were these were games which were, you know, were clearly spectacles, lots of people attended uh, and they were, they were, you know, it was exciting. It was a big event. I think, you know, one of the important things when you think about sort of Victorian England is it's probably to remember quite how dull a lot of life was, you know, something like a, uh, the arrival of this group of cricketers in town was a big deal, uh, and certainly for you know the next twenty years, um, you know we see uh, we see real excitement generated by by these matches. Um, but I think the the, the All England eleven, um, you know, it it provided new momentum to the game in Yorkshire, and I think the the, 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 the there's a number of impacts that it had. Um, I mean, I think it just demonstrated to cricketers in in the county. Uh, as it did to cricketers in in you know, other parts of the country, you know, the standard of uh, standard of the game that could be reached, uh, and so I think it probably inspired lots of local cricketers to um, you know to go out and practice, to join clubs, um, and then that sort of increased interest then probably encouraged, well, it did encourage clubs to acquire a professional, and um, the you know there were people realised that the game could be played at a at a higher level, and so. You know, clubs. Some clubs acquired a professional, and then, of course, you know they were competing against clubs which didn't have a professional, and those clubs would realise that actually they couldn't really compete anymore unless they had coaching of some kind from a from a from a player. So they acquired a professional, and actually, particularly in the 1850s, you see a bit of an arms race developing where the clubs sort of realising that, um, you know, to sort of uh, uh, continue to operate, they need to um, they need to. Uh, you know, up their game. One way of doing that is to acquire, acquire a professional. And that's why you see an increase in the number of professionals, and that's stimulated by the sort of interest that's generated by the All England eleven. Um, and uh, I think the other, the other, the other thing, and it goes back to the point about you know, there not not being that much money in the game, and a lot of a lot of cricket clubs in the eighteen forties were pretty fragile. You know, they were they were just getting by. But um, I think the way in which the All England matches were organised. Um, which was to sort of have, you know, sort of ring-fenced funding and, and probably have 
people providing guarantees and so on. It helped to avoid the the sort of the risk that you know you, you organise a match and, uh, and and it has a catastrophic effect on your finances. Um, so I think there are features about the way in which the All England Eleven was organised, um, and you know it generated an awful lot of interest, uh, and it has a has a profound impact on cricket in the, in, in England, and it has a profound impact on cricket in Yorkshire. Um, uh, but I think uh, I think the, the sort of the basic point I was I was probably making in the in in the book is is that uh, it had a profound impact, but it was building on existing enthusiasm for the game, which was probably on a scale which I don't think we've we've probably recognised before. The game was more sophisticated; it was it was it was m more solidly bedded into Yorkshire life than than than, than perhaps um, you know we've been uh, conscious of before. Uh, and the All England Eleven was really able to take advantage of that rather than just stimulating interest in, 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 in cricket. And one final point I would make um, is um, it, it did strike me, you know, thinking about the All England Eleven and the idea of 11 against 22 and, um, you know, the idea of professional players against local amateurs. Um, in a way, it was a bit of a dead end. You know, it lasted. It lasted, and there was huge enthusiasm for it. And we had, you know, the All England Eleven was there was there was the United England Eleven, and then later on there was the United South of England Eleven and other smaller Eleven. So this form of the cricket, you know, was a feature of Victorian life um, in the 1850s, 60s, and 70s, uh, and, and and so on. Um, but it did die out. Perhaps not coincidentally with the rise of county cricket. Well, indeed, but but it, I think it died out. And uh, there are references in, in, in the 1860s in matches in Yorkshire that, that actually people were, less, were, 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 were becoming increasingly bored by something which was essentially exhibition cricket. And also, you know, it was really difficult, even for the best batsmen, to score against 22 fielders. Um, and also the standards of some of the local travelling 11s actually declined. And I think probably as more county cricket became available, um, you know, this became less a significant sort of work opportunity. So the standards declined. And I think um, you do get references to, to you know, crowds declining and people saying this, this, this form of cricket is, a, is, 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 you know, it's sort of run its course. And I wonder, I just wonder whether or not, you know, thinking about sort of, you know, alternative um, developments of the game, I do wonder whether the kind of, it's stunted the kind of competitive town-based cricket that was starting to be a feature of Yorkshire cricket in the 1840s. Um, and I think it's interesting in, in, in scores and biographies, there's a, there's a, there is a reference um, uh, in the early 1850s to the fact that actually a lot of those games were starting to um, uh, not, not be played, that, that some of these club, town clubs, big town clubs in, in, in Yorkshire actually couldn't put sides out anymore. And the reason for that was that their, their players had all become professionals and therefore were dispersed around the country, um, you know, playing uh, for other clubs as a result of this um, increased demand for professional cricketers, which had been generated by the All England eleven. You find similar complaints in Australia a couple of decades later with the rise of intercolonial cricket and, of course, the Australian eleven, which itself was rather itinerant. Yeah, so I just I, did, I, I just end up the the book by just sort of throwing this out that you know I do wonder whether or not you know the All England eleven idea and and the sort of you know those 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 touring sides that copied the concept 
um, they had a huge impact on the way in which cricket developed in, in England in the 19th century. But I just wonder whether, in fact, they might have stunted an alternative direction of travel, which was perhaps a more city-based, um, very competitive um, you know, form of cricket, which was starting to develop in Yorkshire. I mean, that's just a, you know, it's a sort of you know, alternative history type, um, type perspective. But it did strike me that you know, it's not as if anybody plays um, 11 against 22 um, cricket anymore and, you know, didn't really do so after the, the sort of 1870s and 1880s. Um, so I wonder whether or not, um, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the concept um, did have a, 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 another and perhaps not so positive effect on the development of cricket in Yorkshire. An especially interesting reflection given the ECB's recent emphasis on city-based as opposed to county-based cricket. Exactly, exactly. In conclusion, perhaps you'd like to talk a bit about the challenges you faced in putting this book together, this kind of big history, as it were, as distinct from the biographies you've done. I think, I mean, the, 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 the obvious challenge with anything with writing about cricket in the 18th, 18th century and early 19th century is just the lack of evidence. And, um, uh, you know, I think we've been uh, blessed by the digitization project in the British Library, which has, which has digitized so much, so many provincial newspapers. Um, and I think allowed, allowed um, for a much more systematic review of the available information about cricket and 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 and, and so you know that's a massive plus um uh, leaving aside that you know it's it's you know almost inevitably going to be a partial sort of um a partial uh, uh, sort of evidence base in a number of ways obviously you know only some people would have bothered to have reported the cricket that they played um, some newspapers and not others would have found space for such a, for, for such a topic. Um, clearly, some editors thought that this was totally un, unnecessary thing to be reporting and didn't bother and said as much in the 1820s and 1830s. So, you know, and you know, not all the newspapers have been digitized. So, you know, we have to sort of rely on what is available. And no doubt, over the years, we'll get a kind of you know opportunities to to sort of um, refine the our understanding of the game. Um, Obviously, the sort of you know primary material that's available is very limited, uh, and um, uh, you know when when we do when you do find it, it's of varying value. Um, but um, I did mention the the scorebook of the Beverly and East Riding Cricket Club, which is which is which started in 1825, and it's only a small book, but it's uh, it's beautifully handwritten scores and um uh, you know that's th those sorts of things are, are are incredibly are incredibly valuable um i think the newspaper coverage is of is of some value in this in getting a sense of change over time um but you know you you don't get a huge amount of detail a lot of the information is very descriptive and not very reflective and so the reason i read out those two those two reports about the uh, comparison between the, um, the 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 way that players of the eight, eight, late eighteenth century and and the eighteen thirties played was just because they're so they're just so rare to actually have that kind of reflective um, material. So I mean I think the evidence base is the is the crucial is the crucial uh, challenge. Um, I think um, I think it's it, it it's important also to to sort of uh, try and um, work forward rather than look back from what we know 
now and, and, and have certain assumptions. So, for example, you know, um, I'm not sure that there's anything inevitable about the development of county cricket. Um, you know, I think, you know, we now we know, we know how the game has developed from you know, the 1850s or whatever onwards. We know that, you know, county cricket is, in England is, is the sort of, you know, the, the sort of crucial uh, unit of organisation. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm, but I think it's, it's nice to sort of begin at the beginning and work forward and sort of get a sense as to what other directions of travel there were. So I think, I think sort of it's important to avoid sort of imposing our 2021, 2022 perspective on, on, um, on the game. Um, so I think I think there's probably the biggest the biggest challenges. It's just it's it's just um, trying to get hold of the material uh, and trying to make sense of it, um, and 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 not not sort of making assumptions about uh, you know uh, the direction of travel because I do think there were alternative there were alternative ways in which the game game could have developed. Right, and in conclusion, perhaps you'd like to plug the book, uh, tell viewers and listeners where they might obtain a copy. Yeah, so, 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 so the book is, is a game emerging, um, and it's published by the Association of Cricket Statisticians and Historians. Uh, it was published early in the year. Um, it is available um, via the ACS uh, website, uh, and the, um, uh, so that is uh, uh, ACS Cricket, or one word dot com, um, and then I think slash publications. Um, but it's uh, it'll be uh, it's available there. It's still available. Um, there are there are copies available, um, and uh, also available is is my book about um, uh, Yorkshire cricket in the nineteen twenties, which is um, which is clearly a a topic for another day. Um, but uh, and, and and also a topic which uh, where the evidence base is much richer. Um, but that book is also available on the ACS website, um, and also my book, A Game Taken Seriously, which is um, the book about the Victorian period, which follows on from the, uh, the, the book we've been talking about today. Um, all three of them are available uh, still, and in fact, they are available uh, at a, a sort of discount price as a bundle. Right, and links to the appropriate um, portions of the website uh, will be posted in the description of this episode. Uh, will there be a fourth book, by the way? So, so, so there, there is a fourth. There is well, there is already a fourth book, which is the, um, the, the the one on the First World War, which unfortunately is sold out. Which is why, which is why I didn't I didn't advertise its existence. Um, that one that one covered that one looked at how the game actually survived the First World War and recovered thereafter. Um, but that is sold out. Um, I think I think um, in my mind uh, there are potentially um, three others. There is uh, one which I am sort of thinking about at the moment, which is looking at the 1930s and 40s, um, which I sort of see as the, the period when I guess county cricket was perhaps as, as visible and as popular as, uh, as, as it's ever been and is ever likely to be. Um, the, 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 the other two books, which I sort of um, are, are, are perhaps no more than glints in my eye, um, uh, is the period between between 1893 and the First World War, which is, I guess, the golden golden age or one of the golden ages of Yorkshire cricket, which is the sort of period of of Hurst and Hawke and uh, Rhodes and so on. Um, and um, uh, I guess, in many ways, has probably been covered quite extensively, and so isn't isn't a period I've looked at yet. But that is a gap at the moment in in the history. And the other, I guess, the other gap um, is 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 really um, looking from the 50s up to the present day. Um, I sort of, 
I, I, I sort of think there might be an interesting, that's a sort of interesting time period to sort of, you know, perhaps um, uh, includes some of the, um, well, the 60s, obviously, one of the great periods of Yorkshire cricket, and then a sort of, I guess, a period of, 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 of much less success through 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 to the, to the present day and i think there's some interesting themes there but um these are not things that i'm actively thinking about at the moment um you know it's uh, they're quite it's quite a time uh, time consuming uh task so they're they're things for the future uh, or possibly never <laughs>